0: to well, listen to Cast, episode 498. My name is Paul Garcia, and I am the host of the SpursCast. Joining me from Houston, Texas, is Project Spurs'
1: John Diaz. John, how you doing, man? I'm, I'm good. You caught me once, once the thunderstorms finally stopped, so hopefully I won't lose any power or anything. <laughs> oh, man, yeah, that was a situation here a
0: few, a few days ago, um, but we didn't lose the power either. I, I think, like, 5,000 people in San Antonio must have lost the power, though. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, so, John, it, it's actually been quite a while since I've... I've um, I've uh, recorded a Spurs cast. Last time um, was about two weeks ago. Myself and Michael DeLeon uh, uh, recorded episode 497. So there's been some. there's not a lot of news concerning the Spurs. Uh, j- just a few tidbits here that we're going to cover, and then we'll get into some questions by these Spurs cast listeners that they sent to us uh, using Twitter. So, John, the first um, topic is, is a fresh one that just came out on the day you and I are recording on Thursday. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge has, um, not to a surprise, uh, not to, not to uh, uh, many a surprise, should I say, he has made the All-NBA second um, uh, team. You wrote that up on ProjectSpurs.com. Uh, you know, he had a really good season, uh, 23 points per game, eight 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 and a half rebounds, 1.2 blocks, uh, 51% from the floor, 33 and a half minutes, and he played 75 games, so he remained healthy um, throughout the playoffs. He got the Spurs to 47 wins. We obviously saw them lose to the Warriors in five. Um, Anthony Davis, uh, and the only three players that finished ahead of him were in the front the slash center spot were um, Anthony Davis, LeBron, and Kevin Durant. Um, Bruno Postos from Pounding the Rock and I had had rec- had talked about this topic uh, back on episode 489, and we basically thought that Lamarcus would be a lock at at, uh, at second, and so so that was um, the case. Um, are you are you, are you surprised, or is this kind of expected for, from your thoughts on this?
1: Uh, definitely expected. Uh, you know, when you gave us the heads up earlier about hey, you know, we should be getting some the All NBA team news earlier. The first thing I did was. Hey, let me start looking up images for LaMarcus Aldridge to you know to go with the post in case I, I got to it first, because you know you'd be foolish to think otherwise that he wouldn't be selected. I mean, he's the only reason the Spurs pretty much made the playoffs. He's been the only thing consistent all season, and yeah, it, it's a well deserved honor. Uh, I think the only thing that I think about in terms of you know his All NBA selection is that I, I feel like it's been rough for him since he got here. Like he he hasn't had that true title shot yet the reason that he came to San Antonio outside of you know wanting to win and wanting to be closer to home because you know year one he comes in and Tim Duncan retires right after that then last year he has his off year and he wants out because Pop is trying to change him and then this year you know they get to the conference finals regardless and this year the whole thing with Kawhi and you know it it just shows that you know he's a stand-up guy and it's it's great that he got recognized this way but it's a shame that you know, we only got to see him for five games in the playoffs and it's going to be kind of like a forgettable offseason until everything gets settled. You know, all the dust settles with the Spurs.
0: Yeah. And I mean, that that's something that you mentioned, um, you know, the, the circumstances. I remember I have to take something back that, that I look I look foolish on now is back in, I, I want to say, almost like September, October. Um, it was before we knew about the whole Kawhi situation, before we knew that all this drama would start with Kawhi. At that point, um, I don't know how I referenced it. Oh, it was LaMarcus had a quote. It was actually training camp. <laughs> LaMarcus had a quote on the, on the record saying, you know, he wants to get back to all-star, all-NBA level. I think that was his actual quote. And I think I, I laughed at that time, and I had, and I had ridiculed him. Because, you know, based on last year's performance and even his first year, we knew Kawhi's the go-to guy. We knew that this team is built around Kawhi. So it, it, in, the, in the event that both of them were fully healthy and played together this season, I didn't see these kind of honors coming for him. But because Kawhi got hurt and because of this whole situation uh, with his injury, Lamarcus was given the chance, and he did, um, and he did prove that that he still does belong at that elite level. Um, and, and so obviously, you know, it, it makes my, 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 uh, my, my prediction at that time um, not very valid. One thing it, it, you mentioned also is, uh, and it, it kind of ties into what, what your, your point was, was uh, this is his highest usage, se- usage season since the 2014-15 the season with Portland. So basically, you're right, he hasn't, ha- he hasn't been used the right way in these last two years with San Antonio, and now he finally was, but again... We also have to look at, was this because Kawhi was absent? You know, obviously, um, you, see, you see how good a Spurs team can be without, without um, I mean, with, with LaMarcus as the go-to guy. But um, there is that, 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 other, that other argument of, hey, maybe this has happened because Kawhi was there, so he, he, he really um, – played well on the opportunity do you think that let's just say that that everything offenses get mended between the Spurs and Kawhi and um, everything's good to go next year where Kawhi and LaMarcus are going to be the top two guys again do you think he can still stay this efficient with Kawhi on the floor
1: I, I believe he can and I think the, the one thing that concerns me is the three-point shooting even though granted you know he doesn't want to be the center and he doesn't want to take a bunch of three-pointers but the three-point shooting going from last season to this season fell off dramatically and that also does have to do with you know how schematically the Spurs are playing without Kawhi on the floor and how he doesn't stretch the floor. But, you know, LaMarcus has a game that is going to age really well with the NBA. He kind of reminds me of, like, a little a little beefier Chris Bosh. You know, he's going to be 33, and it's one of those things that, you know, I, I've said before, you know, I even wrote that piece that, you know, Kawhi likes to operate more on the right, LaMarcus likes to operate more on the left, depending on what side of the block he's on and how he wants to go, if he wants to go right or left. But the biggest thing would be, to me, is... Kawhi has transitioned from the start of his career from being the guy that is maybe fourth or fifth option to the number one option. Lamarcus has always been one or two. Kawhi can revert to that if the Spurs need it. It, You know, if if it ends up being Lamarcus has to have that high usage rate for the Spurs to succeed, Kawhi can revert back. The problem is you don't want Kawhi to revert back to that because when he's on his game, he's top one, two, three players in the league. So if he's going to be fully healthy then they'll be good. They'll be fine. But I think they, the two can share the floor. It's going to just depend on how they build around them. If DeJounte can develop a shot, who can be a facilitator outside of Patty and Manu. It, 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 there's a lot of other elements to it that we'll find out this off season. but I still think Aldridge and Kawhi are good building blocks. It's just building around them once you have a fully healthy, fully amicable situation going on.
0: Yeah, and um, something else to look at is, uh, you know, he he played very well for his age, thirty-two. Like you mentioned in your piece, you know, he he, he earned twenty-one point four million. So obviously, he's, he's earning his contract. The, the Spurs signed him to that extension in early October, I believe it was or November. And um, you know he, he's locked up for the next three years. That it's really two years realistically, because the last year when he's thirty-five, it could be a, it's a non-guaranteed twenty-four million. So one thing he also increased was his trade value in the event that let's just say the Spurs and Kawhi's talks didn't go the right way, and San Antonio ends up going into rebuild mode. What if they trade Kawhi for like a top-five pick? And then all of a sudden, you know, LaMarcus says, "Man, this team with a bunch of young, young players." Well, then, right now, LaMarcus, at his age of 32, his trade value is very high. That, that a team would know that they're getting a second um, All-NBA second team uh, player right now, and, and he's obviously shown that if he's the number one option, he can carry your team uh, uh, to a good amount of wins and, and be a productive um, player. So, so that's obviously something to watch for with the Spurs. Uh, you know, it, like, like we mentioned, they, it could go, it could be very well for, for for them if they can figure this whole thing out with Kawhi, or if they don't, you know, maybe you know, who, who knows what what direction they're going to go in. Um, let's go into get into our second topic, John, and that's Dejounte Murray. Uh, you also wrote this up on Project Spurs. He was uh, he was named one of the NBA All Defensive Second Team members, uh, according to Dan Feldman on Twitter. Uh, he he is the, the youngest player to be to be uh, have that recognition, the uh, an All Defensive um, Player Team member. Uh, Murray finishes some defensive stats at 1.2 steals, um, 0.4 blocks, 5.7 rebounds per game in 21 and a half minutes this season. Uh, when he was on the floor, the Spurs had a defensive rating of 98.1 points per 100 possessions, which which made it, which is equivalent to the to the best defense in the NBA. When he was off the floor, their 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 defense fell to 105.9 points per 100, which makes them about 15th defensively. Um, some other stats uh, amongst all guards, his defensive rating is the best in the league of all guards that have played at least 50 games, and amongst all players overall in the league, uh, his defensive rating has him fourth. Some other interesting stats here. Uh, in year two, he had 97 steals. In year two, Kawhi Leonard had 97 steals. In year two, De- DeJounte had 31 blocks. Kawhi had 32 blocks. And DeJounte did this in 67 less minutes than Kawhi and one year younger than Kawhi at year two. So I'm not trying to compare them exactly, but I think it is a good projection for where Murray's career could end up going, especially defensively, considering he's doing all these things uh, defensively and he's getting that recognition. What do you think about Murray?
1: The kid's got a seven-foot wingspan. He makes life a living hell for opposing guards. I think the the shocking thing is just the names that he beat out. You know, you see Paul George and Chris Paul, Clay Thompson, Russell Westbrook, the guys that are elite in this league. And to think that this is a second-year player who slipped in the draft for no reason whatsoever, just because you know, his first fans will nitpick. He needs to work on his jumper. He needs to work on his layup. He needs to have an offensive game, period. Yeah, that's true. He's young. What do you expect from him? Tony didn't have this jump shot overnight. He wasn't this reliable 15-footer or anything. He barely even had the floater. People need to relax and realize this is the start of something really spectacular. Um, I, I just the, the Kawhi numbers, It's it's hard to, you know, you want to say – hey, he's not Kawhi, but look at these numbers. But at the same time, they play a very similar game. They're very good at facing up and squaring up against their opponent and just being able to strip and find the angles where they can steal the ball from that person. It's just, it goes to show, like, granted that he probably fell into San Antonio's lap and he should have been a lottery pick. But what happens when these players do fall... I remember saying this before. At what point do we criticize the other 29 teams in the NBA for their inability to develop and scout instead of praising San Antonio's? Because there's no reason a guy like Murray just falls like that. And all of a sudden, in his second year, when he first becomes a full time starter, he's all defensive, you know, an all defensive team. So it, it's just. It's really amazing, and, and in terms of defensive rating, the only two players on the team better than him were Kawhi Leonard and Derek White. So they didn't even have the sample size to register, you know how dominant, you know how dominant Murray actually was in, in regards to rating and in regards to all the statistics he put up. It, it's just amazing to me.
0: Yeah, and like like I mentioned, um, you know, on, t- on Twitter, uh, it's it's very rare to be, to have your defensive skill set already set. Now, obviously, he's so young though that he can still carve out an offensive skill set for himself. Um, you know, like you mentioned, uh, some other stats here offensively that, that pr- um, you know point to some some positivity for him going forward uh, in the restricted area, basically right around the paint. Uh, before the All-Star break, he was shooting 52% from that area. He he brought that up to 63% uh, after the All-Star break, and then even in the playoffs against the Warriors, he shot 63%. Now, the attempts were very low. The mid-range obviously needs some work, 36, 37% before the All-Star break. It went down to 26 in the uh, after the All-Star break, and then 11% of the playoffs, which obviously the Warriors knew that was his weakness. They gave him the mid-range jumper. The, the positive thing for him... Uh, is that every day? You know, you check, you, uh, you check, you check his Instagram, and he's always at the gym. Like, I don't, I don't know how many days that dude is at the gym. He's there every <laughs> single, every single day. He has a tweet of like his shoes or the floor. So I mean, you see that that kid is putting in the work. Now there's probably other players putting in work too. But, you know, at least he's showing it visually. He's showing the evidence of it. He's constantly, you know, he, he, he mentioned how he doesn't like taking long vacations. He just, like, basically immediately after they lost out of the playoffs, he went back to the gym. Uh, there, there was a report by the Express News, Jeff McDonald, that Chip Engling w- was going to work with him directly this, this summer. So, obviously, if Murray's here in San Antonio working every day, then there's you, you have to assume Chip's there with him uh, during these workouts. Uh, his corner three is also, um, you know, ro- uh, did a lot better. Uh, 20% before the All-Star break. It rose to 42%. Uh, after the all-star break and then we saw that in the playoffs he made 80 percent of his threes very low volume uh you know and the above the break three needs need some help so obviously he's working there with chip and you mentioned you know he's he's not yet patrick beverly um he, he has a, he, he doesn't have a, a path yet of where he's going uh and so this is this is what's really cool for Dejounte is that he gets to carve out his own um, type of player, player profile that he wants to become he, he's not said he's only going to be 22 years old when the season starts next year
1: just insane <laughs> just yeah there's I mean, nothing else to say about it it's just insane and the fact that the Spurs have this gem that is willing to put in the work by himself let alone develop with the team and develop the way the team wants him to it, it's amazing
0: <laughs> yeah I mean yeah you see that with his workout they can obviously you know they want to, and they have him on a really good contract since he's only on his rookie deal right now so they don't have to worry about uh, losing him uh, in the near future John, our, our next topic is uh, – it's a little bit older of a topic if, if, you're, um, if you're a Spurs, a Spurs um, follower just because this kind of came out a, a few weeks ago or days ago, should I should say. Uh, James Borrego got hired by the Charlotte Hornets. Um, he was one of Pop's assistants. Basically, he was like third on, on, the, on the roster in terms of where the assistant coaches go. Um, so that still leaves the Spurs' bench with uh, coaching staff with Pop um, as the head coach. you got um, Ettore Messina, Ime Udoka, Becky Hammond has now moved up to the third slot, we would assume, uh, Will Hardy, and Chip England. So now there's actually an open spot there on Pop's bench for an assistant coach. Um, Monty Williams is still out there as a name that's been kind of in the circles among a, a guy who could get a, a head coaching job here right now. He's the vice president of basketball operations for the Spurs. Some openings still are the Toronto Raptors, Detroit Pistons, Orlando Magic. Uh, Becky Hammond, has, she, she hasn't gotten interviewed by the Pistons, but there was an article written by the, uh, one of the Detroit, uh, Detroit writers that said that uh, they, they were entertaining the idea of maybe calling her in for an interview. Um, so so there's a chance uh, Becky could get interviewed by Detroit, and then Ema uh, Udoka's been linked to the Orlando job. Um, John, you wrote a really good piece um, a, a few days ago, or maybe it was last week, uh, called Coaching Carousel, Attempting to Predict Pop's Bench. And I, I really do encourage readers to go out there and check that piece out if you haven't. Where, John, like I, I learned a lot of stuff where you did a lot of background on guys that – um, that could potentially, you know, uh, become one of Pop's assistants in the event that one of these other assistant coaches gets hired, or he needs to, just needs to fill one of these last spots. Um, can you can you can you elaborate a little bit on, on what you think about um, maybe who might might be up for that job, or what do you think regarding the assistant coaching situation?
1: Yeah, uh, the, the two jobs—it's it, two jobs that are left, right? The ter, uh, Toronto and Detroit, oh, or Orlando. Three. Okay.
0: Oh yeah, there's th- no, there's three. De- Toronto, Detroit, Orlando are open. right Yeah,
1: now. and I, you know, I remember when the Austin Spurs were in the in the G League championship, we talked about how even though Toronto was the one seed there's still been a lot of talks about the chance that he could that Dwayne Casey could get fired and I, I forget the the writer from Toronto that was on uh, the Dan Levitard show on ESPN that mentioned even prior to Casey's firing is hey this is a realistic thing that Casey could get fired he's been close to being fired twice before this LeBron thing and you know the way that they lost to the Cavs could just push it overboard and of course it did So I still think Toronto's Phil, you know, uh, we talked about how Jerry Stackhouse has been tremendous with the G League squad, coaching Raptors nine hundred and five to back-to-back championship appearances, winning the first one and obviously losing the second one to Austin. I feel like he's a prime candidate for that job. I know others have been – I think Nick Nurse was linked to it, and there's a couple others. Uh, And then today, Mm -hmm. Dwayne Casey was linked to the Pistons job. And the last candidate I think was for Orlando was – Tom Izzo, the Michigan State coach and it, oh, yeah, people right. started joking that Tom Izzo was just trying to negotiate his raise and stuff but with all the stuff going on at Michigan <laughs> State, you know, it could be time he could be like Pete Carroll leaving USC to reference football <laughs> it could be one of the things or hey, maybe he just jumped ship, but I, I honestly think, I think James Morego is going to be, end up being the only hire and you'll see uh, Dutch Gailey get promoted to Will Hardy's position, you know, Dutch has been in there coaching in Summer League He's, he's the video coordinator. It, it, it's like the, the Eric Spolster track to, to head coaching. You know, you start out in the video room, you start pulling tapes, you start doing running film sessions and then you just move up to the bench. So, you know, Dutch is 30 and I know he probably doesn't, he's probably wondering, Hey, who's this guy stalking me on LinkedIn and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I try to do my research with this stuff and he, he comes from a line of coaching And funny enough, one of the videos I put was him with his mom, who is also a coach. And it's just one of those things that San Antonio loves to promote from within. And I think he'll be a good candidate that we will learn more about him once he actually gets on the bench and once he gets the job. But I don't think you'll see anyone else leave, leave the Spurs coaching carousel, which is kind of amazing. Granted that it seemed like they were going to poach the entire coaching, the whole bench and Monty Williams out of the front office when we started this off season.
0: Yeah, yeah, very, very true. It's very surprising that only um, that only has been hired. You know, at, at that point, you know, we see that uh, we saw that Coach Bud, though, one of Pop's former coaches, got that, that job real quick in Milwaukee, and he was also Toronto also wanted him too. So again, uh, Spurs Cast listeners, go to ProjectSpurs.com, dot um, Find John's article. It's called "Coaching Carousel: Attempting to Predict Pop's Bench." So make sure you check that out. Okay, John, let's go ahead and take a quick break, and then we're going to come right back. Thank you for listening to SpursCast 498. I am joined by John Diaz of ProjectSpurs.com. If you're on Twitter, please follow him, at ByJohnDiaz. Okay, SpursCast listeners, John and I are going to go ahead and get into your SpursCast Twitter questions. Um, we asked you all to send us some questions using the hashtag SpursCast, so thank you to those of you that did. Um, let's go ahead and get to, get into this, John. I'm going to, based on um, you know who, who sent the questions in first. Our first question comes from at Suave. They ask, Do the Spurs have a real chance to get Stanley Johnson now, and spurzilize him, or spurzilize him. I guess you know, make him part of the system. Uh, so, just some quick background information on Stanley Johnson. He's still under contract with Detroit uh, for for three 9, for three million for the remainder of this season, uh, up until uh, until July first. And then next season, he's he's under contract for three point nine million. And then after that, he becomes a restricted free agent the following summer. So, um, financially, John, I looked into this because of of where the Spurs were at before the draft, uh, before that 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 that, uh, that July first date. It's really hard for them to find some deals just because his salary is so small, and they don't have a lot of small salaries kind of equivalent to that. They're either it's either like somebody like um, Brandon Paul, who's like who, who's, who's still t- uh, it, it's not enough money his contract, or if not that it's the big guys with like the ten or, or sixteen million dollar deals like Patty Mills or Paul Gasol. But then that it requires throwing in a bunch of players. Um, John, here's my question for you regarding Stanley Johnson: um, w- Does Jaron Blossom game have a have a I don't want to say comparable, but kind of like like a track that could could end up being close to Stanley Johnson? Or are they totally different players in your opinion?
1: I, you know, I feel like they're kind of similar in a sense, but it, it, I, I want to say this real quick because my goodness, we talked about DeJounte Murray being a gym rat on his Instagram story. Jerron Blossom gave me, I'm exhausted watching his Instagram stories. Not like it, It's amazing. He's been running two days out in Chicago at the skill factory and he's been traveling to Atlanta and traveling to Houston, and he's always in the gym no matter where he goes. And I don't want to seem like his hype man or like I work for his agency or anything, but this dude does two things, and that's eat free Chipotle with his Chipotle free card that he can go in there and get a burrito whenever he wants and work out. Okay. And it's amazing to me that they, this is another guy that the Spurs have coming up. Um, I, I feel like Jerron Blossom game is a great, would would be a great addition to this team over Stanley Johnson because I think Stanley's how old now?
0: Oh uh, yeah, I, I, I don't look that up. He's probably I look it up real quick. I want to say he's like maybe
1: twenty five, but <laughs> it, it's one of those things that we've talked about with Danny Green. Once you're in the league, at some point you just are what you are, and what, what people have to remember is that if kawhi if the Kawhi Leonard situation sorts itself out, this team is kind of capped out in terms of you know what they can do outside of free agent signings, which I know we'll get into in a little bit, but this team was built around Kawhi and LaMarcus, and that's the way it's going to stay. They can completely revamp their bench. The end of the guys, like, you know, Joffrey Laverne, you know, you may have to find a replacement for Kyle Anderson, which may be Jerron Blossom game, who's, you know, just as long and a better defender, more athletic. He just needs to develop a shot just like Murray. But... It's not one of those things I wouldn't compare him to Stanley Johnson. I would just, I would compare him more to Kyle Anderson, like a, a faster, quicker Kyle Anderson. Um, okay, it's one of those things. Uh, San Antonio is going to be able to build through the draft because they've got the 18th pick, you've got Blossom game there, you can give White more minutes, and those will be your replacements for the guys like Forbes, maybe Berton's, Kyle Anderson, maybe Danny Green if he decides to opt out and get a bigger deal elsewhere. There, it's going to be basically the organization internalizing, like upgrading internally and just trying to fill out with whatever they can, trying to find value elsewhere. Um, so, I, yeah, I'd say no to the Stanley Johnson thing, but I also feel like that tr- that kind of train has passed. Detroit's going to have their new GM who just got hired today. Uh, I, don't ask me anything about him. I don't know who he is. And, you know, they'll have Dwayne Casey. That, that team, Detroit has a lot more worries than trying to find a trade partner for Stanley Johnson and, of course, with San Antonio's reputation. If if the Spurs are interested in Stanley Johnson, you're not going to win that trade. They're going to try to find a way to get maximum value out of that move anyway. So I, we'll pass on Stanley Johnson for now.
0: Yeah. Oh, just to, uh, answer your question from earlier. Uh, he's actually younger. He's he's twenty one. He's twenty one years old. Oh, good lord. In, he'll be twenty two. <laughs> yeah, I was actually surprised by that too. I thought I thought too, he was like twenty five. These guys are all like two <laughs> years
1: away from being two years away. Like Fran Fratello likes to say, and they're all like still <laughs> barely able to drink. <laughs>
0: Like uh, Bruno Caboclo. He's at the King's (laughs) House. Anyway, yeah. Uh, So... Yeah, I agree with you, John. I like what you said there. You build from within, so I think it's either they're targeting somebody in the draft with that 18th pick, at, at, you know, who's a wing that's going to be that kind of that mold, that defensive mold, or you know, it's bringing Blossom game. They still have him in, in their in their future plans most likely. So I think that he's he's the player who, who would make that ship that jump, should I say? And then also, I mean, I don't know where his contract situation is at. He does have an NBA out. Uh, Adam Hong is out there too, overseas. You know, is yeah. first to have his draft rights. He's had, from what I can see, he's had a down down year, but I haven't really paid attention. I'm going to watch the film on him. Uh, sometime this summer so they have more options and I just think financially it doesn't make sense like you mentioned to put a big old package together just to get Stanley Johnson and and like you also mentioned you know Detroit hasn't even hired um you know a GM yet or a coach we don't know exactly what direction they're going so for now I think the Spurs would hold off on Stanley Johnson uh, a package uh, trying to get him maybe until like the trade deadline again next year in February um let's go to our second question John it comes from at grico suave they ask uh in the case San Antonio moves on uh, or tries to complement Gasol at center, Pal Gasol, who might be a possible fit within the Spurs' system? Maybe Youkas- Yusuf Nurkic, Montrez Harrell, Kevon Looney, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, moving to center, uh, a, draft, a draft and stash. Uh, so so let's just go through this situation, John. Um, let's say that the Spurs move Pau, in order to do that, they need to move, they got to send the 18th pick as well, because you're not moving Pau's salary unless you're giving somebody, um, you know, your, your first round pick, or Patty Mills' salary. So let's say they move Pau to Atlanta, with the 18th pick. Now let's say that they renounce Tony Parker, Kyle Anderson, Bryn Forbes, uh, Davis Bertans. Let's say Joffrey Laverne, opts out Danny Green and Rudy Gay stay. They opt in. And then the Spurs wave Brandon Paul. So in this scenario, John, financially, the Spurs have $17.2 million in cap room. Now, uh, would you think they need to target a, a big still in this situation with that 17 million? Or do you think they should look elsewhere to, to upgrade the roster?
1: Uh, I... You know, if you're going to move... And this is
0: assuming that Kawhi's okay. He's going to... Everything's fine with Kawhi. Yeah,
1: I, I think he should target a big... Uh, you know, the, I think the thing that's kind of, like, concerning is all the reports of San Antonio and looking at guards again in the draft, which, granted, this draft is really guard-heavy, and that's where you have the most upside and potential, but, you know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing them... If they're going to have that much money, I know it's going to be kind of hard to prime away, but I wouldn't mind seeing them take a run at Jabari Parker. Uh, okay. At the same time, though... You know, the Spurs value corporate knowledge a lot And who's to say I know this is going to freak people out And probably make them angry But, you know, why not pay Kyle Anderson? You, that money could go there In the, I don't know I, I feel like that whatever this team is going to do It's not going to be trading Powell you, you didn't sign Powell to just send him to a team That's rebuilding That's going to struggle to buy him out Especially since that contract is more tradable next season anyway Since it's a partially guaranteed third year and you don't want to lose that 18th pick either. That It's the highest the Spurs have drafted since, granted, it was James Anderson with the 20th overall pick, but this draft is deep enough where you can still find a lot of value at 18, keep the roster the way it is, and try to upgrade with the pieces you already have on board, the pieces overseas. Like, even we forget, like, Caddy Lillane's out there. I, I haven't kept up with him because, granted, he's been playing overseas instead of with Austin, but you've got Caddy Lillane out there. I mean, Levio, John Charles, the Spurs don't have his rights anymore since they bought him out. But there's guys that have that corporate knowledge and are already with the team, not to mention Matt Costello in Austin, another guy that the Spurs have invested time and money in. They would probably rather just spend that and maybe if they're going to open up cap room, pay the guys that they already have, like keeping Rudy Gay if in case the Kawhi stuff isn't sorted out, or making a bigger splash and try to chase like an Aaron Gordon
0: Okay, yeah, that's actually the name I, I wrote down. So, so let's just, just say that, that they do open up that $17.2 million uh, and, and you know, Powell gets moved with the 18th pick. So the, names I, the name I wrote down that try to get, I, I don't know if, I mean, Orlando's probably going to match, but I, I, would, I, I, I circled Aaron Gordon as the guy that I would try to throw that $17 million at. Orlando probably would match, though. Um, and then it, not spending the whole $17 million, but using part of it, because I think that your best lineup, if, if you're the Spurs going forward in the event you move Powell and Kawhi's healthy, is Aldridge at the five, Rudy at the four, and Kawhi at the, at the three? You know, when crunch time comes down to it, um, so it, just to get like a backup big, I would get somebody like Ed Davis. Maybe throw some money at him, uh, Jer- Jeremy Grant, uh, even Kevon Looney. Um, and then, of course, I, I would also I would always take a, a low gamble on um, on Mario Hazonia just to see you know what he has. Yeah. <laughs> Another restricted free agent you could throw some money at, maybe eight to ten million is uh, Nemanja Belice, the Wolves. Um, he could play center, whether starting or coming off the bench. But I, I really think that. You, but you, you, if you did open up that 17 million, you're trying to you're trying to just use a little bit of it on on a backup um, on on a backup big, and you're really investing more in a wing. However, I, I'm kind of with you where I don't think they're going to move that 18th pick, so which means they're not going to move Power Patty. And if they do move one of those two players with the 18. It's because they're going after somebody like LeBron James or Paul George, a, a real impact player in free agency. I don't think they're gonna. If it's just like a role player, I don't think they're gonna do that move either. of Those two players with the 18th pick, like you mentioned, I mean, they've they've worked not really worked so hard. They lost. They they didn't, they didn't win as many games as they usually do to get that 18th pick. So it's like a rare thing for them to have that pick. And I don't think they would just they would just lose it just to get a role player um, or somebody that that's not of of, a, of an All Star caliber like LeBron or Paul George. And,
1: and there's still the possibility oh. of trading up too. I mean, you know, there's. This yeah. draft is so deep, you can just move up a couple picks without giving up a lot of talent, and probably get a, a franchise-changing talent. Like Michael Porter Jr. is slated to go anywhere from uh, Trevor. I know you're listening, and I know you're going to hate me for bringing up Michael Porter Jr. <laughs> but you know he's been slated to go anywhere from two to ten. San Antonio can move up into the top ten without giving up too much and go draft him. And he's been seen as the second coming of Kevin Durant. You know. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So, man, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to have, do you want to be on that pod with uh, Trevor and I'm going to try to get Trevor and Ben on the same pod. Uh, oh college, yes. Uh, yes, please. Okay. So I'll make sure you're on that too. Okay. Yeah. Cause man, I, I'm not in the college games, So you guys are all the, my go-to people <laughs> for those, those kind of questions. Cause I'm like, man, I don't want to do this. I'm like, so yeah. So I'll make sure that we, we have a pod, uh, an episode where, where it's just you three guys and we're, we're, um, we're talking the draft uh, in detail. Um, but yeah, also you, you mentioned a good point. Going to some familiar play, uh, players, I think another player out there on, on the international market that, that the Spurs have the rights to is um, is uh, Nikola Milutinov. He's, he's not your. He's kind of, you know, he doesn't. He's, he's not really the, the typical NBA center that, that today's NBA is, is, is fitting. But you know, he's he, he's a player out there with. Uh, I think he's playing over in Greece right now, Olympiakos. Yeah, so so they also have an NBA buyout for him if they wanted to try to to bring him over. So there, there's other options, you, like you mentioned, they could target a big in the draft. Um, there, there's, I, I think that, again, if you're going to move power patty with the 18 to open up a um, uh, room, you're, it's because you're going after a, a big name like LeBron or, or Paul George or somebody like that. Uh, let's go to our next question, John. It comes from at DP30. They ask, do you think the Kawhi situation is completely different from the Marcus Aldridge situation last summer?
1: Absolutely. I, that doesn't even need to be talked about in depth. I think the Kawhi thing is with, with everything that's been reported out there, it, it's not only just Kawhi and his group saving him for the, the Supermax and how we've seen the reports of the Spurs are probably going to offer it to him to smooth things over, but Lamarcus's situation was just general unhappiness and the lack of production, that he'd probably rather be the guy and rather get his statistics than play in this team setting where he's struggling and he's always seen as a scapegoat, and the Spurs obviously smoothed that over. Gave him an extension, and they they sold him back into the culture. It, Kawhi's thing is just—it's it, something that no one's ever seen. You know, it's rare that you see a, a franchise player that goes through this kind of an injury, where the team is cautious, but the camp is also cautious because he's on the verge of making two hundred and however many million dollars. You know, it, that that kind of investment takes—it it puts a lot of pressure on both sides to get it right, and someone that came into the season with MVP odds and, you know, championship expectations, even though, granted, Golden State is still there. The Spurs were always seen as the best challenger outside of Houston. And once... I don't even know how to explain it. We've talked about this ad nauseum already, but the situations are completely different, and there's obviously a lot of eroding trust in there, but we saw what happened with the Spurs and LaMarcus, Who, who was losing trade value. The thing is with Kawhi... The trade value is still there, regardless of his injury, that trade value is still there. As long as he can prove to be healthy, if if it's just a discontent thing, teams are obviously gonna to try to lowball him, but the Spurs aren't going to the Spurs would rather fix it and deal with someone who's going to be kind of lukewarm with the organization than to just trade him for scraps. So yeah, both situations they're definitely different, but they'll probably end up finishing the same way with the Spurs just coming out with both guys extended and moving forward
0: yeah I mean I agree with you hundred uh, percent totally different you know Lamarcus is more so about a role and here's the the big the big difference for me in my in my opinion it's healthy Lamarcus yeah. was healthy you know when he was upset and even even when he came back into the season even after they smoothed everything over he's still healthy. the thing about Kawhi is I'm not so sure you know we don't know where his health is at it's now been over a year May fourteenth was the one year anniversary of him when he rolled his ankle against Zaza when he was at a hundred percent not one hundred percent but he was at that mVP level player you know he came back for those nine games this year, but we obviously know he wasn't he wasn't at that mVP level uh, of Kawhi that we know that we've seen on the floor so i don't even know if he's healthy you know there's been reports that, that his that his camp is holding um, or his group is holding uh, withholding some of his medical information you know you know it's just it's just all sorts of things. So, so it's not just the whole discontent with the with the organization and him, where they can maybe patch that up. The talks can, you know, Pop and him can go to dinner. They can fix this whole thing. But also, you know, how much do the Spurs know? You know, how much when, when a team offer if a, if uh, a team would offer a package? You know, when when they get Kawhi's medical records, is, is he going to be okay? We've heard the words degenerative quad that it's only going to keep getting worse as he gets older, and he has to manage it in certain ways. So, so for for me, uh, this is a totally different uh, situation. I'm still of the of the. Uh, of, of the belief that that they're not they're going to offer him the supermax. But, uh, let's just say everything gets worked out uh, communication wise. But I feel like they they need to put in like a Joel Embiid contract where they need to put some some not some some uh, target um, elements there where they, he needs to hit some some health targets before he gets the full the full amount of money. Uh, and you know that might just throw the whole conversation off. But I don't know if San can risk doing that. Um, and and so we'll get into that question a little bit later um, regarding Kawhi. But yeah, it's totally different right now. From, <laughs> Uh, like, like it's funny mentioned. enough
1: that you mentioned that it, it, I think it's one of those things where I remember back in, it was, I don't know if it was 2010 or 11, my memory's already fading me on this, but or failing me on this but remember Tim Duncan had the degenerative knee condition as well and he ended up playing you That's know, true. all those years after that just because he managed his weight he managed his load and there's no reason why Kawhi can't do the same thing you know, I don't know enough enough about it, but is there, you know is there a Germany situation out there where he could go like Kobe and go overseas and get a treatment for it? There's a lot at stake and I'm perfectly fine. If Kawhi ends up like on a Dwayne Wade maintenance program where he plays you're guaranteed 50, 60 games tops every year, but he's going to have him at full health come playoff time where you don't have to worry about back-to-backs or meaningless games or anything like that. I, I think the Spurs would be very happy with that too, even though, you're paying him 219 million. As long as you have that MVP caliber player for 60 games a year, that's the, part, that's the part that matters.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, this is going to be a huge factor of all these questions that you and I are asking, um, and you know, for both sides, his his group and his side, Kawhi's, and then also the Spurs' side. You know, as they as they try to meet uh, to to mend this relationship uh, going forward. Let's go to our fourth question, John. It comes from at that awesome four. They ask, what would be your dream pickups this off season? personally myself this is them t- saying not me uh they say it would be anthony davis tyreek evans at the point and drafting De- dante di vincenzo uh who is projected to be around uh the Spurs' pick at 18 now i think davis we can both uh, uh, assume is basically now off the table because he did earn all nba honors uh which means next summer he- he's uh, eligible for the supermax uh from new orleans so i, I really don't see where, where they're going to move-, move davis um you know this coming off season at least uh Tyreek Evans is more realistic, for sure. And then, obviously, until until DiVincenzo, as long as he stays in the draft, there's obviously that chance that the Spurs could pick him. There's reports that he may um, go back to, back to school at Villanova, so there's not a guarantee he's even going to stay in the draft. Uh, what do you think, John? What would be your dream
1: pick Well, I know it's not your Spurs. dream pick because, you know, I didn't hear Milos anywhere in there or Jetty Osman or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, honestly don't know. I, I've been looking more... I, you know, I go to U of H, so I'm kind of biased. I kind of want the Spurs to go look at Rob Gray, maybe with the second pick. I've talked myself crazily into Grayson Allen in the second round. Um, I, I don't really have a dream. I, my dream pickup is a healthy Kawhi, literally. that That's literally it. and Yeah, that might be enough. And, yeah. and going from there like I, and filling out the bench. And funny enough, we're sitting here talking about guys that – could fill out the bench and wing players and then i get an austin spurs tweet alert about darren hilliard who's another guy that we left off the list that's spent time in the system that they're you know investing in who's also i think 24 25 he's on that stage of development where you kind of know what you're getting from him so yeah i, I just give me a healthy Kawhi, and we'll, we'll look at the 18th pick once we get to the draft pod and we'll go from there a healthy Kawhi is the biggest thing
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, healthy Kawhi for for me, for my way, would be... Or LeBron James.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That was my two. uh,
0: Paul George, LeBron James. You know, I... I think those two – those with the whole Kawhi situation, I don't think LeBron and Paul George would risk trying to come to San Antonio unless he was here 100% committed Kawhi. And until they see that kind of a signal, I don't think that's going to happen. But, you know, those would be my two dream scenarios. In terms of more realistic, I think they would have a chance maybe, depending on how they make some moves, maybe like a Will Barton, a Tyreek Evans like they mentioned yeah. there. Um, I actually want them – not not for a lot, you know, maybe for the biannual like $2.9 million. I want them to give a shot at Mario Hazonia because I, like, I feel like he's, he, he's not going to get that many um, good deals out on the market. And that's probably, like, his one chance to show that he belongs in the NBA is to, to make a gamble and try to play with San Antonio. And if, and if he can't make it with San Antonio, he's probably going to end up back in Europe, similar to, like, Nando Colo and a few other players that have come beyond best
1: games. And he's been heralded as the ultimate Spurs pickup this offseason. Like, everyone already knows that. Give yeah. him the chance to succeed in San Antonio, and we'll go from there. If he can't succeed there, then let him go.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's basically the track the, the track of where where, his, it's, it's where he's projecting unless he gets because I don't think anyone's, anyone's given him a huge offer uh, among the other teams unless a, a, a bad team gives him but they've already seen what he does in Orlando cons, considering he's so young still um okay John let's go to our, our next question it comes from um, at Frank M Wang they ask uh how many more seasons do you think coach pop will stay with the team or who may have the greatest chance to become his successor in case he decides to retire within two or three years oh man uh, just some real quick um, um, information on Pop. He's 69 years old, expected to coach in the 2020 Olympics.
1: Yeah, that, that's been the biggest target. And um, I, I remember talking to to Matthew Tynan about, you know, how much longer – like, we, we really didn't know how much longer Pop was going to be there. And I, I would have said at the beginning of the season maybe another two or three years and then just focusing solely on Team USA – Uh, Just because the Team USA thing is out there, people need to realize he doesn't have to coach the Spurs and Team USA at the same time. He could still keep his president of basketball operations stuff with the Spurs and let, you know, Messina or Udoka or Becky Hammond take over for the Spurs and just focus primarily on Team USA basketball. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, With everything personal going on that he's been through this last month, uh, I could see him coaching at least two more seasons, uh, at least through LaMarcus' contract. And he said it himself that the young guys kind of keep him coming back. Like we always worried about when Tim was going to retire because you thought you would lose pop too. But you know, he's, he's gotten LaMarcus and he's got hopefully Kawhi he's got DeJounte who he loves. Maybe he sticks around longer. It, It just depends on to quote Bill Simmons. It depends on when he gets to that red Auerbach point where you start questioning the moves he's making which I know fans already do that. I want to call him senile because Kyle Anderson played 20 minutes, but, you know, that's granted nitpicking when your team is so success- successful for so long. Um, but at, at least two more seasons for sure. If, if everything comes back with I, – I would love to hear him speak, you know, soon. Now that, you know, they, they have the funeral for his wife and everything, I'd love to just see that he's doing okay. And if he can – Go back to being invested into this it's so trivial with everything that's gone on and how the spurs of you family and everything but I, at least two more seasons of his heart is into it
0: yeah I mean obviously you know we don't we don't know the circumstance of how he's doing right now I think DeJounte put a post on Instagram said he said pop's doing better um, but obviously that doesn't tell us a lot um, more you know so so until we see him speak and stuff um and you know obviously he needs this time to to, to to get through this process of, of losing his wife um so um you know, if in the in the event that everything does turn out positive for him and he continues coaching at least for next season, I would say also like you, two more years. I think that he continues coaching up until the the twenty twenty Olympics, and then after the Olympics, then I think that he would look at. You know, for me, it would be more so like, is is he still in title contention? Does he still have a team around him mm-hmm. that's a contender? If they're not, if they're kind of on the rebuilding track or kind of like just like a seven eight seed year after year kind of team, then I could see him, like you mentioned, going to that president of basketball operations. And then I'm, um, you know, handing the the position over to whoever's kind of still there at that point. You know, there's not a, there's not a guarantee, Messina's there, or Udoke or Hammond. I think for now, Udoke is that 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 prime replacement in, in case just because he's been there six years. You know, he's, he's he'll be a little bit older by that point in the event Pop retires in two years. Um, but again, it, it kind of depends on, on who on who's still on, on the staff. Uh, and, and that's kind of where, where where my thinking would be in terms of how, how much longer he's going to keep coaching. And
1: not only that, but if Pop and RC are still around. It's a long shot, but RC has coaching experience. Monty has coaching experience if he stays with the organization. But not only that, the Spurs have produced so many alums, coaching alums from this organization that the moment Pop retires, as long as he's still with the organization and as long as they still have what that whole database that they pride themselves on that's the Spurs way in place, this team can go higher in a pristine, well-named, well-known coach, no matter who it is. It, it could have ties to the organization or it could be someone they respect. You know, you're not going to go get Brad Stevens, obviously, but they can pretty much go in there and hire anyone they want if they get to that point, especially if the team is still successful and, like you said, in title contention.
0: Yeah, so, so that's something to watch, obviously, with, uh, with Paul going forward. Um, let's go to our last question, uh, John. It comes from at uh, PHI Roches 8. Uh, they ask, any news on, on Kawhi? what position is needed the most and what free agent could uh, the Spurs get uh, for the, for cheap in the off season. So let's go and go to that first question, John, um, any news on Kawhi. So as of, I want to say it was about a week or two ago, I had listened to a, a, a podcast with Woj. Um, I think he had Bobby Marks on and, and Brian Winhorse. And um, Woj had mentioned that at that point when he had, when he had heard um, news that, that the Spurs were getting calls on Kawhi, but the, they weren't really entertaining them uh, engaging in those teams. they has basically telling teams, no, he's not on the market. He's not available for trade. Um, you know, deadline-wise, we would think that this meeting with him and Pop and RC and, and you know, the players or whoever's going to be there needs to happen before the draft June 21st because that's when teams are going to be giving their, their most, you know, the Spurs' is, um, the most high-value um, packages for Kawhi would be um, in 27 days on June 1st. I mean, on June t- 21st, should I say, on the draft night. So I think that they would have some sort of answer on whether they're going to have a future with Kawhi by June 21st or not. Um, you know the, the, the I, I want to call it, I want to say that the aggregators like a lot of the websites that that make headlines. You know they made a huge headline out of a, a, an Express News story from Tom Osborne. Tom Osborne you know talked to some, some marketing professionals and they they basically the whole piece was about how the marketing community basically said that uh, you know Kawhi can really fix his image if he kind of just comes out and says something. If him and the Spurs get uh, do do fix their relationship publicly, you know it it, it it won't take a lot to get the fans back those fans that have kind of um, distanced themselves from Kawhi back back on the right track with him. Uh, but there was a, there was a line in there where Tom mentioned um you know the Spurs need to bid uh they want to bid to mend fences first, and then they'll probably offer the the, the supermax the two hundred nineteen million. So that's kind of like what what we've all known is that the the, the whole plan here this summer is yes you fixed your whole relationship with Kawhi and then you offer it, and then obviously your outcome is that you're offering him the Supermax, and he's signing it on July 1st, or he or on July 6th, technically. But the the aggregators, they took that headline and just basically said Spurs will offer Kawhi Supermax, and that became the headline for a few days here this past week. And we obviously didn't write about it on Project Spurs because it's not really news in terms of we kind of know it's more of an outcome. This is what you hope happens. It's not guaranteed yet that Kawhi and his camp are going to come to come to um, mend fences with the Spurs. That, that still hasn't taken place. We haven't got no um, kind of valid um evidence that, that that's even happened so so yes the Spurs will offer that supermax in the event that Kawhi and his camp uh, and, and the Spurs do fix that relationship um what, what do you think about that whole situation with Kawhi I know we talked about it earlier
1: I, I think you know th- there's nothing really new out there everyone knows that Kawhi can go and fix his image if he just comes out and says something and people running with the article of you know or running with that 10 second video of him at a Dodger game and turning his khaki hat with the Kawhi Leonard logo on it into a Lakers hat was just kind of ridiculous. Like, this was the same guy that we saw walking around Spurs gear in a San Diego mall last season. All of a sudden, it's a surprise. He's in Los Angeles where he's from. Like, uh, come on, man. I I just, I, I think that it's one of those things where they're going to just let them sort it out. Just quit making, obviously the the aggregators have their goal of getting clicks and getting views and getting people to talk about their stuff. But it's not a surprise that Kawhi can come out and say something and win fans back. Look at what happened with Lamarcus. He signed an extension. People were kind of questioning it at first. The Lamarcus billboard goes up and then he puts out a great season and people are back on the Lamarcus train. Let's build around him. Give Kawhi a month if he signs the max deal and he comes out and says something and appears in a Jordan Brand commercial, and is fully healthy, people are going to be convinced that you know he's going to be a spur for life, like he said. And going back to the Ramona Shelbourne article with Michael C. Wright in them, you know he even said, "Why would I? What else would they be sitting out for if I wasn't hurt?" It, this is a guy that he's legitimately hurt, and his quad varies from day to day, and to the point I, I wish I remember where I heard it from, but it's one of those things where. You know, if he jumps off on the left when he's working out, he looks like the same explosive player. If he jumps off on his right leg, the days that his quad is dead or acting up, he looks like this older, unathletic player. And it's just one of those things where you just it's going to be a day to day thing. It's going to be a headache that the Spurs are going to to have to deal with. And it's a headache worth dealing with. He's an MVP candidate. Like, why not?
0: Yeah, and that that uh, that comment um, that came from Ramon actually, and uh, she I think she was on a, on a Wode. Yes, shot yes, thank time, you. A few weeks ago, so it was right. At, yeah, it's all good. Um, so yeah, so um, you know, like like you mentioned, th- any little thing about Kawhi right now is going to get blown out of proportion. Uh, <laughs> I found it funny though that the that the hat was the Lakers colors, the gold and purple. Oh anyway, <laughs> aside for that, um, you know, but just I think there was like four days before that he was caught in New York, um, in Spurs gear, like in Spurs socks. So you know. <laughs> they're going to be, you know, basically stalking him anywhere he goes. People are going to find him and they're going to make some sort of assumption about him, uh, you know, you know, w- based on what he's wearing or, or where he's at, you know, the location. So until they have this meeting, I don't know where it's going to take place or when it's going to happen. Um, we would assume it's going to happen before the draft of June 21st, so that they both, both sides know where they're going. Uh, you know, you're just going to continue to see any kind of evidence that, Ka- I mean, any kind of pictures or anything or videos that Kawhi's out there in the public, they're going to get blown out of proportion for, for different sides. Um, you know, by uh, by 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 those that are that are capturing them. Um, Nick, the, the, that other question, John. Uh, what position do you think they need the most? Um, let's just, just assume that Kawhi does everything. Is, uh, ends up well with Kawhi. What, what position do you think the Spurs need to target? The most? I, I
1: think it's still going to be Kawhi's backup because there's no guarantee. Even if he's you know back in everything's all good, there's no guarantee on how many games he'll play, and you still need someone uh, that can not only back up Kawhi but can also slot in in that bench role where they wanted to you know run that small ball lineup of LaMarcus, Rudy Gay, Kawhi Leonard. I think Rudy Gay's replacement if he ends up leaving, which all signs point to he wants a bigger deal and he wants, you know, maybe something a little more stable. There's no other reason he would have a YouTube channel outside of chronicling his injury but to show, hey, this is the process I did through the last year. Look, I'm healthy, I'm 100% ready to go. Give me a contract. You know, I'm I'm, I'm only 31, 32. Um, I think Kawhi's backup is the most pivotal part of what the Spurs need to do this offseason, especially since Kyle Anderson's out there that he could be leaving as well. And if you keep Rudy or Kyle, then the next, the next spot you would want to see is who's going to replace Manu or Danny Green. And I think a realistic target, I, I still think you know, the Spurs thing would be to find value, and value in there depending on how much space they can open up, would be like a Jabari Parker, someone that has the injury history but can play well in those limited roles. And especially if he's completely healthy, it would be Jabari's only 23, 24. You can give him that contract and risk him playing for the Spurs, risk play him as a starter, play him off the bench, whatever you need to do. But that's definitely where, where the Spurs focus should be this offseason.
0: Yeah, well, I'm with you. I think I think the wing position. Um, in, I think that just looking at this past season, you kind of see that that they don't really have a, uh, they don't have a um, guy guy that they're going to at the two. You you saw Danny Green and Patty Mills start at the two at different uh, different times this year. Now maybe that was just because Kawhi was absent, so Danny just didn't. It, it just wasn't a good season for him overall. And so you saw that offensively, Pop onto more shooting. So I, I still think there's, it's the two, the, the wing that they need to look at. And, and you're right, you know, Ru- Rudy Gay has has those different options of he can come, uh, opt in for that eight million, or he can opt out and try to see if he can get a, a deal bigger than that. Um, you know, I, I, meant, I wrote a piece on Project Spurs where the most they can give him, let's just say he opts out, is a 10 million. They can re-sign him for up to four years, an annual salary of 10 million. So maybe he wants more long-term security, and maybe the Spurs will have to pay a little bit more. Uh, so so we'll kind of see. Going forward, I think it is the wing position. Um, some players that, that, that could be more realistic, you know, like we mentioned Tyreek Evans, maybe you could get him. So if everything works out with Kawhi, let's just say Rudy and Danny do come back, I think that the Spurs would have the, the mid-level exception, uh, $8.4 million uh, to use the non-taxpayer. And th- those are players maybe like uh, Tyreek Evans you try, um, you know, they've always had interest in Avery Bradley. He's going to be a free agent. Um, you don't have to spend the full eight point four on this guy, but maybe Bellinelli you could look at again. He had a pretty good playoffs with Philadelphia. Muhammad's um,
1: another one, yeah.
0: Yeah, Shabazz Muhammad's out there. Will Barton, I think Will Barton wants more than $8 million, but still he's out there. Um, and then I don't know how much of a pay cut J.J. Reddick would take, but J.J. Reddick's out there. I was thinking great. that too, and I then I doubt- remembered
1: he signed for 20 some million dollars. Yeah, I think so. his, his value.
0: Yeah, so I think his value's still high, especially if Philly doesn't get any um, any. of you those, know, if they don't get a LeBron James or a Kawhi or, or some, some other free agent, Paul George, then I think they're just going to bring J.J. J. back. So there's a lot of questions there. Um, and obviously, you know, it's fun to look at all these different off season scenarios and who they might target, but it really comes down to this whole Kawhi situation. I mean, they need to f- figure out what, what direction they're going in. Um, are they, are, are they keeping him? Are they going to try to trade him? Is, is, is he long-term, you know, can send that Supermax. That's kind of the first move that needs to happen for this organization before they even go through those other um, routes.
1: And, and we'll see that too. Especially you'll see that direction, especially once the draft comes up, you will be able to see like, what did the Spurs think is going on depending on who they pick. And depending on what we've heard about Kawhi. you want that sorted out before free agency and, especially if you want to maximize this trade value, you want to do it before the draft.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's why I, that's why I keep mentioning, you know, both on the Spurs cast and also out of the, on Twitter and stuff that, you know, June 21st is that date when you really really, that's when they're going to get, like you mentioned, they're going to get their highest value trade packages on that night. And, you know, that's when they're really going to have to make their decision. And we'll see, you know, if they're, if they're entertaining these talks, then probably, things probably didn't go down well between the um, Kawhi's camp and, and, and the Spurs in terms of their communication for that Supermax uh so again it's kind of a just a wait, wait and see kind of moment and we'll that'll we'll, basically be the message until we get some sort of clear, clarity on this whole situation. Uh thanks, John, for joining me on SpursCast episode 498. Again, follow him on Twitter at by John Diaz. Um continue to send your your questions to hashtag SpursCast. Visit us online at Project Spurs, at AT League underscore NBA, at the SpursCast and at Project Spurs Network. Online, visit us at ProjectSpurs.com, analyzing the league.com, dot if you're on iTunes, please leave us a rating and review. And uh, just a reminder, Spurs cast listeners, that, um, you know, in offseason mode, now that the Spurs are out of the playoffs, uh, we usually go to a, a kind of a, a, a every other week kind of format for the Spurs cast. Unless there's like urgent breaking news, we, we usually hold off every two weeks before I do a, a Spurs cast. Uh, as we do get close to the draft and free agency, I will probably be doing those more weekly again. Uh, but again, in the off-season, offseason, it, it is, um, you know, it's more so like every two weeks we kind of record an episode. So thanks John for joining me on this episode. Have a great day, it's first guest listeners.